This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is Rebecca, and today Tara and I decided to just talk about some of the books that we've been reading recently that we really enjoyed, and we wanted to share those with you, and I'm going to actually have Tara go first. Uh, So what have you read lately that you want to highlight for everybody? Okay, so I went back to, I think the last time you and I chatted, like books that we had been reading recently was in July, right, for our... um recap of the year so far or something like that I feel like that's right Mm -hmm. yeah so I went back to that point and then chose my books based from that timeline so the first one I'm going to go with and I feel like uh, I can't remember if I've mentioned this on another episode or if it's just from you and I talking so Mm -hmm. if I've already mentioned it on an episode well I'm doing it again so it's bonus it's a bonus it's a bonus uh, thank you (laughs) It is Daughters of the Deer by Danielle Daniel. And it is a historical fiction recently just came out within the last few months. I can't give you the exact publication date, but historical fiction set in the 1600s in what was, I believe, called New France, but is Quebec now, present day Quebec. Well, Now it's called Quebec. It wasn't present day back then because it's the 1600s. And -hmm. it started in 1657 uh, with Marie, an indigenous woman who must marry Pierre, who is a Frenchman, in order to help her people who are threatened by disease and starvation and need help against the Iroquois and their English allies. So this marriage will give her people... uh, basically reinforcements help them through this tough time that they're having now with like an alliance as such it moves ahead you get to uh, 1675 when we meet their daughter Jean who finds herself caught between the two two worlds of being both indigenous and French and also caught between the worlds between her desires and what's the expectations of her as a woman um, I loved this book. I really, really love this book. I w- enjoyed the way it was written. Each chapter was from a different character's perspective, either Marie's or their daughter Jean's or even Pierre's, although Pierre's chapters, w- there weren't a lot of them. But I loved how the author represented all of the characters in their chapters and the characters in the whole as a book. Um, yeah, it was just, it's one of my favorite reads so far this year. And you know, you and I both, was it the Giller that we like predicted which ones mm-hmm. were going to make the Giller list? And you and yes. I both picked this book, even though I hadn't yep. read it, but you had talked about it. And so yep. it sounds fabulous. Yeah. I'm, I was disappointed it didn't make the Giller long list actually, but. And I have to laugh because I am reading right now the A History of Canada in 10 Maps by Adam mm-hmm. Schultz. And he goes back to the time of the explorers. And so he was talking about the whole, you know, the French being in Canada and, and anyway, talking a lot about that in detail. Yeah. And so I had already wanted to read this book, but then kind of juxtaposing that with all of this that Adam was writing about, 
Now I definitely am interested in this time period and in this book as well. So I think that's a great choice. Absolutely. And I liked that. um, So for Pierre, she, there are a lot of bad men in this book and there's violence against the indigenous women. But I appreciate it that when it came to Pierre, he truly loved Marie. He had his faults. It was the 1600s. He had his faults, but he truly loved Marie. He truly loved his family, and he wanted to do what was best for his family. And that did not always coincide with uh, what a lot of the other male characters in the book thought and believed and how they behaved. So I really appreciated that she had a character like Pierre in the book that juxtaposed against the other male characters. Yeah. Yeah. And so was there a lot of violence in this book? Because again, the book that I'm reading by Adam mm-hmm. Schultz, I, I've just been a little bit shocked by how much violence there was in everyday life in the 1600s in this part of Canada. I, I mean, yeah. well, it wasn't Canada at that time, but I mean, I, I've been kind of horrified by it. And so did she, did the author include that in the book? Yes, but not graphically, I wouldn't say, and not a lot of it. Like it was, it was there. You knew it was there. Um, Even for Marie, like that's part of one of the reasons why she agreed to marry Pierre was be because of the violence between her people Mm -hmm. and the Iroquois people. There's also violence between her people and the English. And then even once she marries into the French and is part of their settlement, there's just there is domestic violence. Now that I think about it, there is quite a bit of domestic violence. Yeah. And there is a, an event at the end of the book with Jean that is quite violent. Okay. So then that seems to me would even be realistic because sometimes that's why I'm not a huge fan of historical fiction because sometimes I feel like a lot of it gets a little whitewashed and it's not Mm -hmm. quite, it's not an accurate representation to where you might say, Oh, I wish I lived back then. But the reality of what it really was like, probably none of us would want to necessarily go back and live during that time, you know? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't think to look like back that far. I just sort of looked at the last so many books I've read, to be honest with you. And the first one I want to mention, because I don't think I've talked about this one before, uh, it was. It's called Starlight Tour, The Last Lonely Night of Neil Stonechild by Suzanne Reber and Robert Renault. And I bought this. This It was originally published in 2005, and I bought the 2019 edition in 2019. And one of the reasons I read it right now is because you and I had talked about our to-be-read lists. And I think we'll talk about it more later. Maybe we'll do that as a whole subject. But this book had been on my TBR since 2019, and I thought, okay, I'm going to read it. Now, some of you may know, this was basically about uh, people who, (laughs) cops who arrested, well, they didn't officially arrest them, but they picked up indigenous people and they took them far out of town in the dead of winter and left them to either, I guess, walk back on their own or just to die frozen in a field. Uh, It's a really compelling nonfiction account of Neil Stonechild specifically because his incident happened in 1990. 
Uh, but it's really nice because this is an updated edition. So there's a little bit more information in it. And it also talks about a number of other people who experienced the same thing. Uh, one of them survived it, <laughs> believe it or not, survived it and was able to testify. And so this idea of a starlight tour, I guess people talked about it. People were aware of it. This was in Saskatchewan. And it turns out it wasn't just rumor. It was really happening. But this big case of Neil Stonechild in 1990 really brought it closer, you know, more attention to the issue. Now, I remember when I started reading it, I said to Tara, I said to you that I didn't really like the writing style because it was just, there was something about it that just struck me as odd. And here's what it is. I think what they did is, I think the authors took a lot of like interviews and transcripts from court cases, et cetera, but they wrote it in a way that it reads almost as if they were there and experienced all the situations as they occurred. And that writing kind of threw me off a little bit. And finally, I just said, you know what? Just suck it up. Read it. It's such a compelling book. Now, maybe nobody else will have that opinion about the book. And maybe it was just my weird thing. But I love nonfiction. But it was written. So, for example, it would say, um, you know, so Neil came home and took his shoes off and put them by the front door and da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a big, broad, ridiculous one. But I was thinking, okay, first of all, you weren't there in 1990 when he walked home and you don't know that he put his shoes by the front door. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of written in a way that brings the reader in as if you are really personally involved in, in every moment of it, which over time I got over it and I just accepted it for the way it is. But I don't want that to turn anyone off. I just want to be really clear that that was how I felt about the writing of the book, Mm -hmm. but the story, the storyline, all the lives, the people that were affected, Neil Stonechild's mother, who waited many, 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 many years for some type of justice. I mean, it was just appalling. And at the end of the day, I'm not necessarily so sure that everything changed radically the police departments really change radically or that indigenous people are treated better because, you know, there are kinds of, there are sort of always some sort of issues going on. But I think this book was, well, it was so critically important. That's why I think a new edition Mm -hmm. came out 14 years later. So I just want, if you, and I, I think it's long enough ago that a lot of people may not be aware of it in 2005 when it was originally published, but that 2019, um, new edition is only a few years old. So I'm hoping if people haven't read it, that they'll go back and take a look because it's a very fast read that surprised me. It's, it's just so fascinating. And again, I love good quality nonfiction. So, yeah. I didn't actually realize that it was that old. I thought it was only a few years old until you just said now 14. And I'm like, what is she talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And oh. if you think about it, I mean, it happened, it occurred in 1990 and for years, yeah. nothing, it didn't go anywhere. It, Neil's case in particular. And then finally, I think when these other cases came out, that's when they really started to look back because they basically, they, <laughs> these people would just be found in the middle of nowhere, completely frozen and with yeah. very like a you know, jean jacket on in the dead of winter. And, 
you know, and shoes and not boots, you know? And it was sort of like, why, why do you think they just went out there? (laughs) Or how do you think they got out there? And the, the, um, uh, oh, who's the person, (laughs) the, uh, the person who, the doctor who goes and, oh my gosh, what are they called? The ones that do the autopsies, you know, those people, yep, yep. they just basically signed off like, oh, it was just uh, like suicide or they, they were, they were drunk yeah. and they just died in the frozen, you know, they died frozen. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, seriously, that's the best y'all can come up with. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, fascinating, really, like I said, a great read in terms of it's a really fast read. It's a very big book, but it's, it's a really good, a really good, solid, um, quick read. So yeah, highly yeah. recommend it. No, I'll be reading that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I'm going to be reading yours. So there you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your next book? Okay. For my next book, I chose a memoir and Ooh. I'm going to um, propose right now, Rebecca, that we do an episode on memoirs. <gasps> yes. Right. Because okay, I realized as I looked through, even I think I looked through at starting in January, I'm like, I've been reading a lot of memoirs lately and I don't remember mm-hmm. doing, reading a lot of memoirs in the past, but I do now and I really enjoy them. And I'm like, I think we need, so I, there was a few that I was like, oh, maybe I could, instead of just choosing three books, I'm going to try and sneak it in as to one category that's memoirs and I'll choose three memoirs, but I, I didn't do that to you. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm like, no, that's breaking the rules way too much. <laughs> So I'm like, I'll choose one memoir and then I'll suggest a future episode. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. We're 100% invested yeah. in that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the memoir I went with, though, was my most recent one, and it's called 10 Steps to Nanette by Hannah Gadsby. And Hannah Gadsby is a comedian, stand up comedian from Tasmania. I only, she came into my little realm. Maybe within the last year, I heard she has a Netflix special called Nanette, um, and I'd heard of it, I think, on another podcast, and I was like, oh, that sounds... Re-. And they were just talking about her comedy as a whole, just what her comedy was doing for stand-up comedy. So I'm like, I've always been a fan of stand-up comedy, so I'm like, I have to check this out. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and she is... Hilarious, brilliant, a genius. That's I'm. Those are all the hyperboles, and they are well deserved. Um, she has a background in art history, so she also so she brings in a lot of art history into her stand-up comedy, which is just I don't know anything about art history, but I still love her art history comedy. Uh, but where her comedy also veers is that she is brutally honest. And you're just kind of, you're going along, you're laughing, you're laughing. And then she kicks you in the gut and then she keeps on going. And that's what, that's what her show did to me. Mm -hmm. And her memoir came out just, I think it was just this year. It's within the last six months anyways, I'm pretty sure. I shouldn't say that. Maybe the last nine months. And it is a memoir of from her childhood growing up in Tasmania so small town Tasmania to the filming of her Netflix special Nanette and uh Hannah Gatsby is queer and that uh growing up in Tasmania I would think she was in the 80s because she's a little bit younger than me 
Tasmania, it was only until very recently, like I, so in the nineties and the two thousands, even there was a huge backlash against gay marriage and gay equality. And that is what she grew up surrounded by as a person who didn't know that she was gay at the time. She was just surrounded by a very intense, often violent homophobia and that shapes you, right? It's just, yeah. yeah. So she has that. She was also as an adult um, diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, her memoir. It is fascinating. Again, it is. It's the same as her stand up. In that, uh, there were times I just chuckled. I couldn't help it. She is funny. Mm-hmm. She's just funny. And then she, again, will kick you hard in the gut and then keeps on going. And she knows she's kicking you in the gut. Oh, she yeah. She knows it. Yeah. Well, and you started talking to her. In fact, you mentioned her to me a while back, and I had written her name down, but I didn't write anything next to it. So then when I found it, I was like, what is this about? I don't remember. <laughs> so <laughs> I sort of let it go. And then you just told me you read this book. And I, over the weekend, this past weekend, I watched her special. And I agree with you because you had said it will punch you in the gut and blah, blah, blah. And I'm this just like, oh, my God. I mean, seriously, I she is phenomenal. And I have never heard of her until you mentioned her to me. And so uh, I can't wait to and I'm going to listen to her book because you had posted Mm -hmm. it and somebody mentioned audio. So I have a hold and I had to wait like I have to wait like four weeks to get the audio version. But I cannot wait because she is amazing as my oh. little Sedonia, my little grand niece would say she is amazing she is she, she is, is a yeah. fourth and yeah. you also um in the book she introduces you to her family of course but her mother oh i think her mother is a force to be reckoned with as well wow and uh she just permeates the book it's it's a great book it's a great memoir she i love the way she writes uh, she, I really enjoy, I, you may have to be for the last chapter is very intense on her stand up on the, and how she developed the stand up uh, mm-hmm. show Nanette. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I loved her that she went through the process of going from like a few jokes on a card to like a Netflix filming or recording. And it was just. That would be book. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. That, oh my gosh, that's another great, I love it. That's another great one. Okay. So, okay. Now your turn. Mine is a little, this odd, well, I don't want to say odd book as in like a negative thing, but here's the deal. So you and I read On Account of Darkness by Ian Kennedy Yes. and it was published by Tidewater Press. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, Ian had given us a a, a copy for free to read and and we said we, you know, if we liked it, we'd interview him. Well, we both loved that book. Um, it, I have to stop saying amazing. It was a well-documented storytelling, non-fictional account of uh, sports and racism in this area in Ontario where he was born and raised. Anyway, I loved it so much. I wanted to support him as an author. So I went to Tidewater Press to buy a copy. Mm-hmm. And then I came across this little book, which was a first-time author, called Little Brothers of misericord now 
Brudders is B-R-U-D-D-E-R-S. And I'm thinking that's a, a way like a, a, a Quebecois person might say brothers, I think. Yeah. Because I, I don't think. think it means anything, right? Brudders. Yeah. And then Misericord, I looked it up and that is French for mercy. So basically okay. little, little Brothers of Mercy. So, and it's by David M. Wallace. And it is about this man, Spence, who retires. He li- he was living in Vancouver. He retires and he moves to Montreal to be closer to his daughter. And he she goes off to Europe, uh, to France with her uh, fiancé. And he's supposed to like water her plants or something. And he meets a foul mouth, wild scheming mouse, talking mouse. <laughs> and it's about his life in retirement and he's taking French classes. So Thierry is the mouse's name and he is helping Spence learn French. And Spence is trying to, I mean, he's he needs a friend. So he's got this friend because he's moved to a place he's never lived and he doesn't know anyone and he's in retirement. So and I think that's what appealed to me because I'm in retirement now and I've, you know, I have no friends because everybody, I, I haven't lived back in Michigan that long. And plus all the people I knew were people at work. So I'm yeah. kind of having to navigate that myself and I do not have any talking animals in my house. Let me just be clear. <laughs> but anyway, it is a darkly comic story about Spence and Thierry and there are painful memories that start to come out and it is a really compelling read. Like it starts out, it's kind of funny and then it gets kind of weird because of course there is this talking mouse and things get just really strange. And then when it all is explained by the end, when you figure out the entire thing, David M. Wallace did a spectacular job on a first novel telling this very um, sad but beautiful story. Mm. So, and and like I said, I only picked it up because I was on the Tidewater Press, you know, website to buy Ian's book. And I started looking and I went, oh, what's this? And read it. Now here's what's really fascinating. So I started following David M. Wallace on Instagram. And this summer he rode his bike from from Montreal to Vancouver. Like all summer long, he was showing Instagram stories of him going across Canada on his bike and like sometimes he said staying with friends that he had along the way and sometimes just sleeping outside and he eventually got back got to Vancouver and he was a teacher so he's very I think his life parallels the character main character in the book and he did like uh, bookstore events in the Vancouver area and met with students that he used to have back in the back in the day and stuff so anyway I, I felt like, oh, and by the way, he carried this little mouse, Thierry, with him, and he would show pictures and videos of him and Thierry on this tour across <laughs> Canada. So I kind of felt like I was watching Spence, and yeah. it was just it just sort of made the whole thing kind of magical. Like his whole summer was kind of magical, and I was just, you know, a voyeur watching from a distance, so... I highly recommend this book. It was really, I loved it. So yeah. very cool. It sounds great. Actually. I'm going to, thanks Rebecca, adding another one will, to my TBR. And I will loan you my copy since I purchased it. I will loan you my copy because <laughs> I'm not sure how easily I, again, I don't know how well available yeah. or how available it is I would because it was think, just this little book. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could ask at my bookstore too. You never know. They might oh, be able that's right. to yeah, yeah. Might yeah. Be able to get it in. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now your okay. next book. Okay, for my final book, I have chosen so what is today? The t the twenty second, right? Or something like that. So two weeks ago, just over two weeks ago, the long list for the Giller Prize for twenty twenty two was announced. So I read my first Giller book of this Ooh. year of 2022 and that was a minor chorus by billy ray belcourt oh my gosh you read yes. it already i oh did gosh. yes All i right. got it um i think last week so i read it this week wow yes i am still so i just finished it last night I am still processing it, wow. but I wanted to bring it. No, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It's just, um, okay, I'm going to start off. I'm going to read a little um, description of it. Mm -hmm. So here it is. An unnamed narrator abandons his unfinished thesis and returns to northern Alberta in search of what eludes him. The shape of the novel he yearns to write an autobiography of his rural hometown, the answers to existential questions about family, love, and happiness. And that's it. And it is, I mean, there's more to the description, but I thought yeah. that was like a nice, like perfect little description of it because not a lot happens. This is a character-driven book. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of plot. And it ends up, it's a series of conversations that he has once even before he leaves because when he's still at school and in the process of writing his thesis like he's talking to his thesis advisor about whether or not he should continue or take a break and write this novel and then he's talking to like a good friend of his about the same thing and then he finally makes his way home and when he's at home it's just a series of conversations of people uh, some that he just happens to meet when he's in the town that were more acquaintances other ones that have been a part of his family life since he was a small boy um it's it's quite beautiful his writing is beautiful he wrote he has a book of poetry out also that came out a few years ago i think and won an award and you can tell he's a poet he writes he he writes beautifully and he just has these little snippets that you're just like Wow, that was amazing yeah. just putting those few words together. So what I'm what I find interesting about it is because the narrator is a thesis student. So he's writing his thesis. I think it's either a master's or a PhD. I can't remember which. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by his writing that he is a student, like an academic an academia. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's very philosophical, and I'm going to use a not fancy word, and highfalutin language mm -hmm. at times, right? <laughs> so there are, there are yeah. some times when I'm just like, uh, I don't really know exactly what he's saying, because the character, I think, is working through his thesis at the same time that he's working through this process of getting out his story. But then when you get, as the as you move through the book, and it's not a long book, um, you realize the language that he's using makes sense, one for the character and then for what he's trying to do with it. Because there was at one point the character even said, sorry, I'm going to go onto my phone because I took note of this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sorry, sorry. 
uh, he says that as, as so much of my academic writing and thinking would, he's referring to it that it would sound like nonsense to another character that he's talking to. I often questioned what use that language was when it alienated so many. But just as we don't get to choose who we love, as the saying goes, I don't think we get to choose which kinds of language envelop us like another layer of skin. So I thought that was really interesting because up until I got to that, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And up until I got to that point too, I was like, oh, like a little bit of this parts of it, I'm like, I'm not quite getting into because I'm not a thesis student, like a PhD student. Yeah. But then he kind of puts it out there. He's like, I know that it's kind of alienating maybe some of you, maybe sometimes, maybe not, but that's what I'm doing. You know, like that's how he's like, that's the language I'm using. And wow. I'm like, that is the language. And if I have to read a sentence over twice, then I'm going to read it over twice. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then I also loved, so you do, you get these moments of just this philosophical writing. And then he's in conversation with characters and then he'll just put one sentence. And I think it happened about three times that I'm just like, and now I'm crying (laughs) from one sentence. You got like the gist of the whole conversation, like what the, the, the emotion was in that conversation. It was beautiful. Like it was very, it's a book that's going to stay with me because I'm just going to keep thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's, I tell you, I had this feeling because you and I and our good friend Jolene, we all sort of, when I, we did our Giller predictions of what would be on the long list, we all picked that book and just hearing you talk about it, I will be surprised if it doesn't win because it's, I just think everyone is talking about this book. Yeah. So I feel like yeah, it, yeah, it's. I just feel like it's going to win. So. Yeah. Now, I don't wow. know if I wouldn't call it like a perfect book. Yeah. Uh, now I feel really bad saying that, but because it's it's his first book, it's a novel, it's you know. But there is there are just such perfect moments in that and perfect mm-hmm. writing. And I'm gonna. There's one more sentence which I thought was real because he's. It's a series of conversations, and this sentence: "A town speaks when its people do." And that is essentially the whole book. That is what he's doing. He's talking, the town is telling its story through the people that he is conversing with. His, like his auntie, his, I think one was a teacher, like a previous teacher of his. Another one was just a man that he met on Grinder. Like, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. it's a very cool book. It's very interesting. And uh, yeah. Hundred percent, going to read that one as well. So, yeah. wow, um, just amazing. So, well, I think my final book is equally as amazing. Okay, I have to stop using that term. Seriously, I have a no, little five a year, a little, but a little. I have a little five year old in my life, and that's her go to. Everything is amazing. Yeah. So now I find myself constantly saying. Just, it's amazing. So I got to stop that. I got to find new words. Okay. I like the word though. I like the word. Yeah, no, it is. And I like, to, <laughs> I like to say it the way City says it, which is amazing. <laughs> but the book I want to talk about, and it's funny because I heard an interview with Scott Simon on NPR mm-hmm. with the author, Percival Everett, and this book called The Trees. And yep. I had heard that interview, I don't know, it could have been a year ago or I don't remember, but, and I told you about it. I remember telling yep. you about it. 
And it was on my to be read list, but I didn't really do anything about it, blah, blah, blah. And then I don't remember something else prompted me to be reminded of the book. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to read it. So it is <laughs> satire. It's a whodunit. Mm -hmm. It's horror. It's humor. It is a wide mix of a lot of different things. It's, it's, I think it's, if I remember correctly, I actually read it as an ebook, but it's not that long. And it was, it was, I, I, it just, I was gobsmacked by the time I was done with it. I yeah. just thought this is everything I want that I wanted this book to be. And I wasn't even sure what it was because again, I, we've talked about this before. I don't like to know a lot about a book before I read it. Like a nice short little synopsis is fine, but too much detail. I feel like mm -hmm. then I'm not going to be surprised and I love to be surprised. So yeah. here's the deal on this one. So <laughs> I won't go into a lot of detail, but it is modern day. It's, well, I think it's supposed to be set in um, not, oh, 2018. I think it's set in 2018. Okay. But it reads like it was written in 19, about in the 1950s, like the language, the mood, everything is, it mm -hmm. feels like the 1950s, but it's not. It is set in Money, Mississippi, and it is really the story of, I don't want to say the story of, but it is kind of about Emmett Till. And if you don't know who Emmett Till is, uh, he was a young man who was from the North and in the late fifties, I think it was late fifties, he went to visit a relative. He was African-American. He went to visit a relative in Mississippi in money, Mississippi. And there is a story that said that he went into a, he went into a store and he uh, made a play for a, a 21 year old white woman. And then his, uh, the local racist came and took him away and they beat him to a bloody pulp and they dumped okay. his body and he was found and it, he was kind of the catalyst. They say he was one of the catalysts for the civil rights movement. And the amazing, and the reason I want to bring this up is it was amazing because his mother understood when she saw him, how important it was for the world to see him. So he was actually jet magazine photographed him in what he looked like in his casket. So she had an open casket for his funeral. And it was a catalyst for the civil rights movement because people saw what Southern racism looked like. And he was, I think, 17, 16 or 17 years old when it happened to him. So this story is set in 2018 and it is <laughs> about Emmett Till and there, there are murders, and it's a whodunit, and as I said, satire, horror, it's every mix of everything. And one of the things that I loved about it is Percival Everett uses the N-word, and it is, he, and, and people refer to African-American males as boy. I mean, it's just, it is so racist reading it that at first I was you know, it's shocking. You read mm -hmm. it and you just go, mm -hmm. oh my God, like they're not, he's not hiding anything. Yeah. But eventually, I hate to say it, you get kind of used to it and you start to understand this is that culture and it, and let's face it, <laughs> let's be real. It's 2018, the way the book was written. And you know, this stuff is still being said. I mean, you just yeah. know it is. So it, well, let me say this, the white people in the book, the names are freaking hilarious. He, he, it is a send up of white racists, Southern white racists. 
And I loved that. And even though half my family is from the South, I have to say, <laughs> it just felt very cathartic uh, as a white person to just read a black author just sticking it to white racists. Like, I love that. And it was hilarious yes. because in the Scott Simons interview, he said to him something like, well, you know, it's almost like you've got, you've created these caricatures of these, you know, these white racists, you know, like you've, you know, like in other words, you know, like it's, it's a send up of it or whatever. And he just said kind of something like, you know, oh, well, too bad, like too bad, turn, turn about fair play. And I'm yeah. like, dude, I love that. Yeah. Like, it's true. It's like, you know, we're critical on the other side. Mm -hmm. And he just gets to say, I make no apologies for the way yeah. I portrayed these white racists. And I'm yeah, I why loved, should he? Exactly. Right? And I loved every minute of it. Yeah. So I want to tell people because I don't know how widely our Canadian listeners would know, you know, how widely like American books like this kind of get out in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I if don't you haven't feel like they do, they do or they don't. I, do, I feel I, that they don't. Yeah. I don't feel like they do get out there enough. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the big, you know, big names like Stephen King, stuff like that. Yeah. Of course it's all over the world, but I kind of wonder like authors like this, and he's written something like 22 books. He's a professor, I think at university of Southern California, I think. And so he's a prolific writer, but it's, I'd never heard of him. And now I want to go back and read some more of his books. Yeah. I just thought it was really, and Tara, I promise you, you would love this book. Oh yeah. No, I'm reading this book. Yeah. I actually was thinking of you today because I was listening to another book podcast and they were discussing uh, the shortlist for the booker and oh, he is on yeah. it. This book is on it. And I was like, oh, that's the book that Rebecca Whoa. read. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, so I, then when I you brought it tonight, to I'm like, yeah, I've got to read this book. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I highly recommend it. Please, everybody run yeah. out, read the, the Trees by uh, Percival Everett. I promise you it will, it will make you, it'll horrify you. You'll laugh. You'll be pissed off. It's just, it, you, it, you go through so many emotions reading it, yeah. but it is worth every word. Um, and, and I will say this too. I spent a lot of time, this is one thing I forgot to mention. I spent a lot of time afterwards, like looking everything up and he writes a fictional account of real people. And mm -hmm. it's really fascinating how much more I learned about, because I knew about the Emmett Till story, but digging a little deeper, I learned so much more that I didn't know. And so you could certainly read this and have, and just have a basic passing knowledge of the Emmett Till situation, or yeah. maybe not even anything but I, I love books where if you dig a little bit, you see a part of history that where the author is really trying to make a statement, you know, due to, you know, past um, events in our lives. So I love that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I think we, I think this was good. We're, we're kind of calling this book chat. So anytime we decided mm -hmm. we want to just chat about whatever we've read or, or in any whatever situation about books um we're going to call this book chat so yeah. we hope that you enjoyed it thanks for the book chat rebecca thank you tara <laughs> i'm telling you you we just keep adding to each other's to be read list <laughs> i know i know and i think uh, i was going to say i've had that's now three added tonight but that's not true because the percival everett was already added to my there you go tbr from like not that long ago so now to, oh no as was the starlight tours ah we talk too much about books that's the problem but yeah that's not the problem all right okay well <laughs> all right we'll talk to you later bye
Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.